0: to the stanley street social podcast presented by map my name is alex clements and today on the podcast we've got campbell flakemore the co-host of the stanley street social chatting to teo Gagenhardt the winner of the 2020 giro d'italia uh but first of all if you do need some new kit it's starting to hot up here in melbourne 29 degrees for the melbourne cup tomorrow And MAP have just released their latest season styles, with updated colours um, in their proven favourites, the Eco Pro Base, the Flare Pro Jersey, and an all-new line of jackets and vests. Or if you're not in Melbourne or Australia, um, and it's starting to cool down a bit, uh, they've also released their new performance layers uh, for the cooler months over the other side of the world. So if you do need some new cycling kit, make sure you head to MAP.cc to check out all their latest styles and updated kit. Obviously, Teo has a pretty hot schedule at the moment. So Campbell, I think, catches him for about 20 minutes uh, in today's ep, chatting about him starting off riding in London, attending the Team Sky launch back in the day, and then touches quickly on his 2020 Giro, how the race unfolded, how his mentality changed uh, throughout the event to him eventually becoming the winner of the Giro. As we head into the back end of 2020, we're starting to look at planning for the Australian summer, which has unfortunately taken a little bit of a swing with Cadell's and the Tour Down Under being cancelled. But we're looking at what we can do to improve the podcast, improve your experience. And our friends at Harper, the marketing consulting agency, have uh, helped us design a little survey to get your feedback to get your thoughts on the podcast so if you could spare a couple of minutes to fill out that survey it's in the episode notes uh, on our website or it'll be posted all over our socials so if you could just fill out that that would be greatly appreciated as we uh, look towards 2021 i hope you enjoy this episode with tayo if you do need some new kit, don't forget to head to map.cc and if you could fill in the survey in the podcast links, that would be greatly
1: appreciated. All right, massive guest on today, hot topic, Teo Gergenhardt, winner of the, uh, the Giro this year, mate. Welcome to the podcast. Really appreciate you coming on in what I imagine has been a super busy week for you.
2: Yeah, no worries, mate. Um, I think I've been on before, haven't I? Have I not?
1: You've come on. You've done a. Uh, you've done like a few. In, you did an Insta takeover for us in, yeah. uh, in Colombia last year. I think I did... sent
2: you a recording, but maybe maybe I'm making it up. Yeah, uh, I can't, I can't remember. remember. You have to
1: ask the big boss, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> how's it going? How's it, how's it been, mate? Like, how how has this how's this week been? Like, you won the Giro. W- what have you been doing this week?
2: Um yeah first and foremost kind of got back home to Andorra and had to yeah, drive back to the UK um it was a plan I'd made a couple of months ago so to come back with the car and stuff just to have the flexibility with everything that's been going on um and obviously I haven't haven't been in the UK since uh like new year's day 2020 so it's been the best part of a year certainly certainly felt like a year um and yeah just been just been doing obviously quite a lot of media obligations and stuff but um but also just seeing the family and and sinking a few few pints and uh, all the normal stuff as well that you that you need to catch up on after the season so no, it's been super nice
1: yeah so this is going to be a quick one you've obviously got uh, a lot of things on I, what i want to do is i want to touch just quickly like on how you started cycling and and your past, like growing up in London, like how how do you become a bike rider in in such a big city like that? Like what's the story?
2: Yeah, I mean, not very easily, to be honest. Um, I think until this year, there was no other professional from from London or even really from kind of the outskirts or suburbs of the city. Um, Now there's two young guys that have come up through through the the outdoor velodrome that's down in South London in Hernhill. Hill, um, so they've come through through an amazing club that's that's based down there, um, which is actually one of the first, pretty much the first place I ever raced. Um, but even that was like an hour hour and a bit ride across central London, like across Tower Bridge, past all the the landmarks and stuff. Um, so yeah, it wasn't easy. I think. I would like to hope and and think that it's a bit easier now. There's definitely a lot more cycling, sport cycling culture in in the UK and and even in London as well. Um, There's a few more facilities as well that can kind of give a bit of a safer haven and and pathway, if you will, for for kids starting. But for me, I'd always ridden a lot of bikes. A lot of times growing up, my mum didn't have a car. So we like went around the city often on on bikes and and around our neighborhood and stuff um and then when I was about 14 I think it was I kind of by chance discovered the sport really I was getting really into like the kind of city side of riding I would go out with mates on on the weekend and we'd you know we would go all over London really and, and on bikes um exploring I guess for use of a better word and uh Then, because I'd always been competitive, I'd always played sport at at a really high level. At the time, I was still uh, swimming competitively. Um, And I just, I don't know, I loved it. There was something that I really connected with about leaving London every time, kind of that you did your sport, as it were. But I think for me in the start, it wasn't really training. I was just riding my bike. I just enjoyed it. We'd go out into the countryside and get lost and find our way back and, have an adventure along the way um, as really as, as kids, you know, and and, uh, it was so different to every sport I'd ever done because with football and swimming and and athletics and everything, we never left London. There's obviously so many people here that we'd, uh, we'd almost always just stay, stay within the city. So it was was totally different and, and yeah, unique, I think.
1: Did you know like about the Tour de France and the Giro? Were you like a, a cycling fan?
2: Um, at at that point I started to discover it really before that I had no, no idea about the existence of, of, of cycling whatsoever. Um, I'd imagine, I don't remember it, but I'd imagine looking back, I must've seen the Olympics, um, obviously like the track cycling, um, in, in 2008, obviously GB had, you know, the best, best Olympics ever by that point, um, especially with cycling, And then I think there was was the odds kind of thing I'd seen, like the tour obviously started in 2007. Um, So I was yeah 12 at the time. I think I just kind of started to... It's hard when you look back because all these things kind of merge into one, but I think I just maybe was around the time I was about to get my first road bike, something like that. I can remember something with clipless pedals where, you know, like everyone, knew struggling especially in the city with so many traffic lights and stuff you get plenty of practice um but uh it's it's weird looking back with all that stuff actually i was just looking at an old email server this morning trying to find an email laughing with my mum over over a cup of coffee and um yeah i stumbled upon some other weird email that i'd you know hadn't seen in years like asking for sponsorship and stuff when i was a kid so it's quite funny when you look back at some of that stuff
1: yeah come a long way mate um in such a short <laughs> period of time you're still you still seem like a massive fan like of the sport like do you see yourself still as a fan
2: yeah i mean i think i think the sports still like i find it as as interesting and as cool for the same reasons as when i was a kid really in terms of like the amazing places we get to go um you know it's Led me to meet so many interesting and and uh, memorable people and also close friends. Um, and yeah, it's still surprising me um, all the time really being being involved in cycling and and um, getting to do the things that we do. so I think I think more so it's like just keeping that perspective and awareness of the the privilege that you have and how lucky you know that we are to be first and foremost professional sports people and then you know, as a young British guy and, and whatnot, and, and as a cyclist, I feel really privileged to to be on my team, I think. Um, so, yeah, I think it's all about that matter of perspective, really. That's why it's nice to come back to London. Everyone's rushing off to work and primary school and secondary school and all the rest of it. And, uh, yeah, I can not be in so many moments this week, but take a few moments to just take it all you know, all this life in here because it's so different to the life that we lead most of the year um, as, as cyclists. And uh, this is a bit more real, you know, and I think it's important to kind of break out from your, from your bubble for use of a better 2020 uh, keyword um, and, yeah. and see everything else that's going on. Was it
1: true that you won a prize to ride with team Sky back in 2010? They were, carrying on about that on the euro sport a lot is is it true and can you weave that tale for us
2: yeah it was again it's pretty long ago um but from from what i remember it would have been 2010 i think so i was working saturdays in a bike shop at the time i was just again like just started racing but not much because I was, I was doing that job and i was just kind of getting into the sport really um and yeah obviously the team launched I think it's weird because I never enter competitions but I guess I must have you know for whatever reason entered it and uh because it was all kind of shrouded in secrecy but it was in in a public place there was like a text message on the morning of the event um if you were selected I guess or not and with a location and so I can remember it was on, you know, I like got a little tiny Sony Ericsson phone that you just texted and called on. Um, yeah. And I got it that morning and I should have been going to school at uh, half eight. Um, but I instead went on my, on my bike into central London. It was around horse guards parade where, where it started, which is like uh, in front of Buckingham palace, essentially near enough. And then we did laps of, uh, of the, the mall, the St st james's park i think it's called um it, now but especially even more so when i was a kid that was like a whole other world that we we never really went to you know and even though it's a few kilometers down the road um yeah it's, i don't know we never really went into that part of central london especially um so yeah it was just it was a cool day out i remember i left like 10 minutes before the end because I was so cold it was like a freezing January morning and I'd imagine in my you know excitement I probably and also just inexperience had didn't have enough clothes on yeah and uh I had to stop at my place where I was working on the way home to to uh to warm up for for half an hour um yeah, I remember, it's just one of those like moments, isn't it? Where, you know, we've all, I think we all had them when, when we were growing up, where you meet someone or, or you do, you do some, something like that, and it just keeps you believing that you should kind of keep pursuing, pursuing that dream or whatever it is that you're, that you're doing. And I'd, I'd imagine that was looking back, probably pretty, significant for me just to ride my bike next to professionals and see them in the flesh um yeah i think you know all these little things help along the way of just kind of keeping plugging away years and years at something you 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 really enjoying, but it's not always necessarily the easiest thing to pursue
1: Yeah, in the interest of time we'll uh we'll jump forward to the giro this year there's so much in between obviously that 2010 ride and and getting to this point but uh you're a Grand Tour winner, mate. Like, has it sunk in yet? Like it's that's that's massive, isn't it? Did you did you ever think that you were going to win a Grand Tour? Was it a goal of yours?
2: I think it would be pretty outlandish and, and arrogant to me for for me to have sat around saying, "Oh, I'm gonna gonna win a Grand Tour." Um, with the results that I've had until now, I certainly knew that that was the race in that that suits me best I think um like second third week of of those kind of events um I I learned that already last year in the Vuelta and and even to some degree in in my first Vuelta um even though you know there wasn't really any like performances that anyone would have would have noticed I think I just kind of felt in myself that I was still still riding pretty well kind of into the the last few days of the race and, and even though I was missing some very, very big pieces to the puzzle in terms of it being a really good performance. I think um, I still kind of believed that you know that was uh, what suited me best in in cycling. Um, obviously, this is a whole nother step forward. So um, yeah, it's pretty unexpected. To be fair,
1: when did you think that you were like really in with a sniff? Was it after that TT TT put in a the really fir- solid the first solid TT. performance? Uh, no no the one on stage 14 it,
2: sorry yeah yeah i've almost forgotten about the, that yeah that was the one in in sicily you
1: i uh, yeah,
2: was not it was there wasn't a nice day to be fair all round. just even in the <laughs> in the warm-up we saw blokes crash in there was barriers yeah. flying into the road from this crazy wind and then sat on the bus for a few hours watched a whole heap of more guys crash and Watch rowan have to race on his base bar near enough he went off in like the worst time possible Our whatever it is i don't know 20 ton team bus was shaking side to side whilst whilst rowan was racing um so it's a weird day that one uh, in terms of uh believe uh your, your question i think i never really i never really uh thought about it to be honest um it was just a case of like keep focusing on on that day and also keeping the momentum that we kind of started building up from that day that um I followed Lucas's attack in the rain um and I think from from that day forward really it just kind of snowballed would be too aggressive a term it just kind of trickled in the right direction really um kept chipping away and I mean you know until the the did a good TT yeah um but until the Stelvio stage it was you know miles away, really, I think I was still three minutes down on g c and and that was when it all changed so um there was definitely a lot of moments where we rescued a good result or you know we kept in the in the game, but at the same time, I think it was never like God oh, you know we're up-ski here it was just oh, okay, we try top ten top ten or or even we didn't even really speak in in those terms to a lot of the time um and then obviously, yeah, uh, then it kind of was like, oh, okay, maybe we're a bit better than top 10. And then Stelvio obviously changed everything. So, yeah, thanks to uh, old mate Rowan Dennis, really.
1: Yeah, he was he was climbing like a madman, wasn't he, in those last couple of days. How was yeah, he the, uh, amazing, the the finale to Sestrier with with you and Jai, just in a big ding-dong battle? It was kind of like a, a contador and schleck of 2009.
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I think... I was, like, super aware that um, even though I felt really good, I just didn't need to take any risks whatsoever. Um, You know, that was the first time in the race, really, where we actually had a real strong tactical card to play, I think. Um, Like, in the opposite sense, kind of the last few Ks of Stelvio and and the rest of that day, I was pretty aware that that Jai, I felt like Jai had a very good card to play kind of as he did to some degree Um, I think on the final I was really knew that basically I wanted to take those bonus seconds at the finish and having seen the final the lap before was kind of unsure whether it was a little bit of a risk to hit out um, before the sprint just because the harder part of the climb was was a bit before you kind of saw even that he kind of attacked the last time maybe over a k to go and then kind of waited and yeah that was kind of similar to what I felt about about that climb um so yeah then obviously how close we were on GC it was like really a case of just those bonus seconds could be the difference and that was kind of what went through my head really when I was when I was sprinting um that you know this could be the the zero in this sprint but but at the same time knowing that the TT the next day would, would maybe be a bit more favourable to me, or or at least that was the hope anyway.
1: Yeah. So I want to talk quickly, the last question before we let you go. Brad Wiggins, obviously, um, he was yeah. he was super emotional on the commentary on Eurosport. Have uh, you, you got a really good relationship with Brad? And what was he saying to you before the, the TT? Obviously, he's a, a TT king and would have had some good advice for you heading into that last TT.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think someone that's always uh, been a massive inspiration to me, like we were talking about, you know, growing up in in 2000, getting into cycling in 2009, 10, 11, 12, when, you know, he was really ripping up the script in terms of what British riders could expect of themselves or aspire to. Um, I think I'm not wrong in saying that his finish at the 2000 uh nine tour was the best ever for a Brit um when he finished fourth um and yeah since then obviously there's been quite a lot of grand tour success from from uh Yatesy and G and and through me so um yeah it's always special to to speak to someone like that who you've you know grown up um watching on tv and uh he had some really good advice he he just said you know like don't don't get pulled out of your zone essentially and just you know before the TT all your teammates are gonna gonna want to give you advice because they really care about you and of course they want you to do well but just focus on your your own race and and, and your own performance which is you know what with what's always been drilled into us since we were since I first started in, in British cycling really um you know controlling the controllables as it can be so unromantically put, but it was a great course for that because it was, you know, not many corners, nothing tricky corners wise, and yeah, two or three very very long straights to basically focus on putting as much power down as you can, and yeah, losing time hand over fist to people Ganna, but at the same time uh, <laughs> trying trying to go as quick as possible.
1: <laughs> he's a madman, isn't he? He's, yeah, he's so, so
2: strong. He's yeah. I think he's uh unbelievable talent and, and especially looking back at the Giro, we as a team, I think we, as a group, we owe him so much really for what he did on, uh, on stage five because it was so elating and amazing what he'd done and the feeling was so contrasting to how it had been the, the two days before when we got back on the bus that stage that we, I think, Filippo you know not necessarily on purpose but afforded us the chance to like really start afresh in that race and um, obviously yeah everything that came after that was a lot to do with his legs again but also to do with the the kind of renewed spirit and um, excitement for the race that he'd given us that day I think because it was pretty I mean certainly I was in the GC group behind and there was one point late on in the climb where his time gap was going up and i could see a few gc riders going pretty hard and i was just sat there thinking this is bonkers um and yeah what what stage of the you know the weather was the weather and how long it was made it even more more impressive really so i think that really set the set the mood and the tone for the rest of the race really
1: just one more Pink Got jersey, si- sitting sitting in the like the Duomo of Milan in in a pink jersey. Well, what, what was it like? Did it hit you pretty hard, or were you just enjoying it, like just soaking it all up?
2: Um, I mean, it was a little bit, you know, different. There was no no crowds or anything in front of the podium, so that was that was um, it was different. Um, none of my family were there. Um, mm. They're all they're all here in London, so it's probably not. You know, I think. In some ways, if you ever imagine those big successes, maybe a bit less for you guys from, from Oz, but you know certainly for us, I think with a grand tour and you have so much kind of um, warning about it coming in, in terms of three weeks. Uh, obviously, I didn't in the Giro, but you kind of envisage maybe at least one of them being there, my brother or something. But um, in the end, they weren't. And you know it just was what it was. Um, my missus was there, which was obviously super nice she'd she'd come in the night before but I hadn't seen her for for a month um so that was pretty cool um and yeah I don't know it just was what it was it was a bit bonkers really um, mm. especially to you know to put the jersey on for the first time after the race and mm. and all that kind of thing was it was cool I quite liked it you know we came in at the in the last minutes in uh, in extra time and and nicked it on the on that last stage. So, yeah, I mean, also, I think I should say chapeau to, to Jai. I'm super happy for him. And, and uh, you know, it was a shame that he was the, the bloke that was on the, you know, on the receiving end of us taking that jersey that day because he's a super good guy. But um, I'm also super happy for him because I think both of us would have, you know, if I'd been offered second place, before the year i probably would have signed the contract there snatched, and then so. snatched
1: at it. yeah yeah i mean yeah
2: so i think um yeah i chatted a little bit in the last couple of days and uh i hope he's also enjoying it because i think speaking to a lot of people here in the uk they loved the race and the, the thing that's made me so most happy really since i've got home is like people saying how much they enjoyed the race and how much fun it was um because that's not really normal from my experience. Um, of, of course, people enjoy cycling, but non-cycling fans saying that they watched it every day for a week and it was so much fun and yeah, even journalists saying it and stuff is pretty pretty uh, unusual from my experience. So that's been super nice. I think everything that's happened this year has you know, led to this point and here we are.
1: Congrats again, mate, on the win and really appreciate you uh, slipping us into your super tight schedule. So uh, all, right, mate. all the best for the future and, and really appreciate you coming on, mate. Cheers, buddy. Thanks. Cheers. Thanks.